Hey there, Conquerors. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. Uh, I'm one of your co-hosts, Mike. Hope you guys are having a great week. It is Thanksgiving week here in the United States, and I'm assuming that's where you're at if you're listening to this show. But we just wanted to take this time to thank all of you for tuning in. Uh, You know, every week we have thousands of listeners around Columbus tune in and listen to our podcast, and we really, really appreciate that. Uh, We hope you guys really enjoy these stories and everything we're bringing uh, every week in these interviews. One of the things we're really thankful for is getting the opportunity to meet and talk with so many great people. But uh, if you guys have anybody on your list that you think we should be talking to, don't hesitate to comment below or reach out to us via email. You can find our contact info on the website. So our interview this week is with a special guest, Mr. David Specht, and David is the uh, CEO and president of The Waterworks. And if you guys don't know who The Waterworks are, they're one of the premier uh, providers of HVAC, plumbing, sewage services across the Midwest, and uh, they're really well known here in Columbus. But uh, David grew up with his dad having his own business similar to that, you know, plumbing and and HVAC services and that sort of thing, and found his way to the Waterworks where he has uh, made his way to leadership role and has done a lot of great stuff for the Waterworks. You know, it's a very interesting conversation with David. He's kind of got a unique career path. And I think that a lot of people today don't really consider trades as much as they should. I mean, we hear it all the time, but, uh, you know, hearing David talk about it and, and some of the interesting things you can do with a trade as an apprenticeship there's a lot of really cool stuff you can do there. And it's a very, very good potential career choice and a good life path for a lot of people. So don't discount it. Hope you guys enjoy listening to this episode and uh, we'll be right back. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors. Today on the show, Jenny Brittenbauer of Jenny's Splendid Ice Creams. I'm truly never comfortable. When I'm comfortable, I'm bored. I just have to keep going. Only when you're a little bit scared are you in a place where you're about to learn something. We're explorers, and explorers are making discoveries because they are going places where people haven't before. Urban Meyer. There's one guarantee in this world, and that's hard work will be rewarded. And hard work, you have to embrace discomfort. I love how you said that. Live uncomfortably. Donato's Jane Abel. We have a umbrella idea of agape capitalism, which is about doing business and doing it with love and giving back to the community. And I believe in our products, but more importantly, I believe in our people. Pelotonia CEO, Doug Olman. There's this genuine pride for things that were born and raised in Columbus. And that's awesome. At the same time, there's this beautiful Midwest humility. People don't necessarily care about who gets credit. Cameron Mitchell of Cameron Mitchell Restaurants. One of our goals is to be better today than we were yesterday and better tomorrow than we are today, and that goal stays the same 24-7, 365. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Conquering Columbus podcast. Uh, I am one of your co-hosts, Mike, and today we've actually got Josh with us in the studio for once. Josh, welcome back. Welcome back. I'm back. After a long hiatus, I heard the guests were asking for me, and uh, I decided to <laughs> decided to re-enter, re-enter the show. Tim and I got a little off the rails without Josh here to keep us on track, so uh, Tim's here as well. It's true. It's true. He's here. Welcome. And I uh, want to introduce our guest for today. Uh, we're really excited to be talking to Mr. David Speck. And Dave joined the Waterworks, which is a, uh, well, we'll talk more about the Waterworks here in a second, but he joined their team in October of 1998. And from 1998 to 2001, he served as vice president of operations and became president in November of 2001. He's a native of Cincinnati, Ohio, but uh, he grew up in a family plumbing business and eventually attended trade school. 
Uh, he currently holds a State of Ohio contractor certificate as a master plumber. And he graduated from LaSalle High School in Cincinnati, received his Bachelor of Business Administration degree in Organizational Management from Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. He's also involved with Charity Newsies, as well as Team Focus. And uh, we're excited to have him on the show today to talk about how he has helped lead the Waterworks to be one of the premier plumbing, sewer, drain cleaning, and HVAC service businesses in the Midwest, and what the plan is for the future. Welcome to Conquering Columbus, Dave. Good evening, guys. Yeah, excited to have you here and uh, appreciate you coming down to join us. I know I had to had to navigate some traffic on the way down, huh? That's a, that's Columbus, Ohio today. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's, been, well, it's a rainy, cold day here in Columbus. But uh, Dave, one of the first places we like to start is just get a little bit of background on yourself, uh, maybe from early career and your early life, just any key highlights that stand out to you along the way that, that kind of led you down the path that you went, you traveled. All right. Um, I grew up in... Uh, in the plumbing business. So it's pretty easy for me to say I've been exposed in the industry one way or other since birth. Uh, my father uh, grew up a tradesman from a teenager through and was able to uh, acquire the business he uh, he was working for at a young age. Um, he was a worker bee, hardworking man, um, and dependent on others to help with the business. Uh, by chance, he went through that struggle that a lot of people went through there in the uh, early 80s, and it was best for him to move on and, and find another career and, and close the doors of that business. Um, I was lucky enough to go to trade school and to go to um, higher education and uh, snuck into Miami of Ohio there, and he let me in the back door and uh, was able to go there. I wrestled for a while there. And I was able to finish my um, my degree there. Always wanted to come out and help my father in business. Uh, love the trade, love services. Um, I'd like to think the Waterworks is more of a service company than a plumbing company, than a drain company, an HVAC company. So uh, services are, are kind of the focus. I was lucky enough to uh, get experience in uh, a whole multitude of uh, areas within the industry. I worked for the Kohler Company out of Wisconsin, so manufacturer of IN uh, high-quality products. I uh, was able to work for a local company here in town, a f family company called Car Supply with the uh, Essig Brothers, uh, wonderful guys, uh, great mentors for me at, at the time uh, where I was coming up in my professional career. But my heart and soul was uh, was in the service business, was uh, having those transactions and making sure we were able to make people happy and give them a little bit of a wow factor and exceed their expectations. So I was lucky enough to run into Mr. Havens, who's a founder of the Waterworks, and it was a good fit for both of us. Uh, we've grown the company from uh, 98, uh, probably about 35 employees and you know, three and a half to $4 million. We've got almost 140 employees, three locations, and you know, hopefully we'll be pushing $20 million here next year. And we've got a lot of great people I work with. So you're growing up, you watch your dad work for a business that he then finds a way to acquire himself. Do you just do that through sweat equity or just? I think it was sweat equity and timing. Um, Mr. Spindle was uh, the gentleman who uh, was the principal of that company, and it was time for him to retire. And uh, he must have seen something in my father, which doesn't surprise me at all. Um, to see a, just a great work ethic and character and, and um and he spoke to him first. And those things that happened in the mid-60s, I'm not sure how those transactions went about versus how transactions go today, but I'm sure it was a much simpler uh, type of arrangement and more comfortable. So growing up, you ended up going to trade school before you went to your undergrad, or did you do that uh, opposite? It was a unique opportunity for me uh, because I was uh, in the family business and because I had that experience as a teenager. You know, I didn't have 
snow days when I was a kid. I had work days and you got up a little earlier, went to work a little earlier and worked a little longer, but uh, I learned the value of, uh, of work and the value of money. I was able to start apprenticeship school while kind of the summer before I went to college. And I was able to pursue that while I was at Miami. Uh, it was only it was less than an hour commute to and from uh, Cincinnati to Oxford, Ohio. So I kind of kept both ends going, was able to advance through a, a year or two of apprenticeship program and be able to take the, uh, take the exams that were necessary to the core competencies to be a journeyman plumber. And then eventually at that time, it was you were considered a master plumber. Today uh, in Ohio, I won't say it doesn't exist. I still think there are plenty of master plumbers out there, but to run a business, you're considered a state certificate holder in a trade. JME Hospitality, your hospitality design partner. JME Hospitality works with food service facility owners, operators, and development pros to improve the overall efficiency of customer experience and the profitability of customer operations. JME has been consulting in the hospitality operations space for over 45 years, providing solutions for schools and universities, healthcare institutions, hotels, resorts, and more. They also have extensive experience working within the design, construction, and manufacturing sectors. JME specializes in helping with a variety of different problems, including the COVID effect, redesigning the customer experience to protect their clients and the public during the pandemic. JME is passionate about serving the community you live in. They're doing this by supporting cancer research as well as youth outreach. And JME is offering a free consultation to all Conquering Columbus listeners. Just visit jmehospitality.com. That's jmehospitality.com. And mention the Conquering Columbus podcast to receive your free consultation. So something I'm curious about, you know, did you always imagine yourself going that route when you were growing up? Or did you have other ideas, other aspirations, and then you know, you kind of decided, hey, you know what? I really do like this. I do want to pursue plumbing. You know, I think I was um, probably no different than a lot of people that step into college, into higher education. I didn't know what I was going to do. The only thing I knew at the time I wanted to do was come out and help my father in business. I didn't know what that meant. Um, I went to a college prep school, LaSalle High School down in Cincinnati. You know, it was college prep that probably held you more accountable maybe than, than most, but it was still a culture shock for me going to going to college. I wasn't a straight-A student. But it was, um, you know, I, I won't say I knew what I was going to do. And I, I think it just kind of, my path just started to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, things happen for reasons. I truly believe in that. And, you know, my, my path's been predetermined already, and uh, those things happened along the way. kind of took me down that path, so... The trade was maybe a simpler, safer move for me. Mm-hmm. I knew I was comfortable with the professional side, comfortable with the blue collar side. So uh, I was a unique, uh, I was a unique player in the Kohler company when I came on board, and uh, wasn't comfortable for either the Kohler company or myself because I was a tradesman first, and then a representative of manufacturer second. So it gave me a different perspective, which I thought was very valuable. And in the long run, it became very valuable for clients and customers. Do you still do your own plumbing? Sorry, I had to ask. Um, I um, my my guys will enjoy this. The guys at the office will enjoy this. So um, honestly, I must step back a moment because some of the gentlemen and, and people in my office probably don't even know that I have a trade background. Uh, some of them do because of conversations, but uh, I do some. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, some I choose not to do. Uh, I would say in today's world, I, I probably do a little less labor. I'll do simpler things. I also don't mind uh, having some of the gentlemen come to my place and chance to talk to them and watch them work and encourage them and get them to know me a little bit more outside the office. But yeah, I still do. But like a lot of people, it's probably like that last thing on the list that gets done. You know, <laughs> it's the th- thing I should be able to do first, but it's the last on the honeydew list. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, it makes a lot of sense. So you, you finish up college and then why isn't it right back to work for your dad's business at that point? So in the midst of college is when my dad had to close the doors. So actually I came out, uh, you know, to be all uh, transparent. I was academically suspended halfway through my junior year. I wrestled for two and a half years there. I did not have the, I don't know, I, I don't want to say I didn't have the discipline, but um, I didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to, to take on the full-time job of a student, the full-time job of a student athlete. I struggled with it. And so I was suspended halfway through my junior year. Halfway through my junior year, my dad had to close his doors. My dad got a job to support the family. I came out, helped close our business. I started going back to night school after a six-month academic suspension and uh, finished up my classes at night while I was finishing up the business and stayed in the trade at that point. So it just didn't happen that way. But I think the way it happened probably helped my father and helped our family um, even even better than maybe coming out and helping him in business there. So you progressed from Kohler, and then where did you, you mentioned it earlier, where did you go after you went to Kohler? I actually went to work for one of my customers at that point. It's a local plumbing, heating, air conditioning wholesaler here in this town, Car Supply. Um, Bud and Greg Essig uh, were the principals there. I became a sales manager there, so I was selling to contractors and builders and remodelers, representing them. I had sales staff, and once again, I think I brought a great perspective uh, to that side of the business because I had the trade perspective. So... In so many words, the ability to pull something, pull the wool over my eyes or over one of my salesperson's eyes or somebody to make an excuse, it better have been a good excuse for not being able to serve or a better understanding of what might have happened on a job with a particular deal. So when I was with Carr, uh, it was a great opportunity. I just had that itch to get back in the trade, to be on that side of it. Actually, I on my own, surely out of no encouragement of anyone, including the principals of Carr, my spouse, Susan, and anybody else, I decided I wanted to go in, back into business, and I did it with a handshake of a customer uh, of mine, and it was a mistake very quickly. I realized that within about six weeks, I gave up a great job, but I just I just had that drive to go ahead and do that. And at some point there, I had a gentleman introduce me to uh, Mr. Havens, the founder of the Waterworks, and said, you guys need to hook up. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a he's got a great vision, but he needs someone with your background to help take this, take his vision and, and provide exceptional service. And it's been a great partnership. I mean, it's been 21 years now and it's been a great partnership for both of us. So what did the, what did the team look like when you first joined the Waterworks? We were just getting into the plumbing business and easier for me to probably segregate plumbing and drain cleaning and heating and air conditioning. But uh, from a consumer business standpoint, uh, many people perceive plumbing as different than drain cleaning, as different than mechanical work. So the Waterworks started out as a drain cleaning company. Uh, we acquired a, a a company by the name Electrobor out of Hilliard, Ohio. Wayne Uncleford was a family, was the family business. Then we acquired them in 1986, transferred that into the waterworks. And the nature of the business is you start doing drain clean, you're exposed to plumbing if you're able to, and you're able to get the tradesmen aligned. Drain cleaning becomes plumbing business. Plumbing business, now I'm in your house and I'm doing plumbing and drain cleaning. I might as well, if I'm doing a good job of servicing you and making you satisfied and 
and have great warranties, uh, let's go to the next step and let's get into the heating and air conditioning. So that's why I say we're a service company probably first, and we just roll into providing other services for that. So, so we were we were kind of the low low price market driver at the time. Uh, we were just trying to get indoors and make it happen. And over time, uh, we had to implement a drug-free workplace. It was best for the workplace, best for the customers, best for uh, workers' comp rates. We had to implement, get more guys trained, uh, focus on cross-training, focus on professionalism, and just focus on expanding our, our connection in the, in the market. We're going to take a quick break here to thank one of our sponsors, the Burlett Family Foundation. The Burlett Family Foundation is committed to serving as a trusted partner and resource to organizations striving to improve our community here in Columbus. All right, let's get back to the episode. So what does a day look like as the president of a company like that? You know, like what's a normal day? Because I know a lot of people here, you know, you see these ex- executives and stuff like that. And I'm always curious, like what what is, you know, you wake up in the morning, what do you actually, what is it, what do you actually do? You know, yeah. there's so many moving parts, so many things going on. Obviously you have to hire well, people manage, but what does it look like for you? I would probably say there isn't a normal day. Mm-hmm. Um, what would an ideal day be? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, I think in a, I still like to be engaged. So I, I probably have my ear to the floor a little bit more to understanding what's going on in customer service, what's going on in our trade. Uh, I'm a I'm a cruiser. I walk around. I make sure I say good morning to everybody in my facility. Uh, we've got three buildings, so it's hard to do in my other ones. Uh, I, I like to remain connected with the people. I would say my job at this point is strategic. It's working on, on our business, uh, fine tuning. Um, I'm an advisor. You know, I take a lot of pride in uh, in growing the educational base, knowledge base of our people. I take a lot of pride in trying to attract people to the trades. I think people are missing it today. And we can talk about the opportunities uh, with that. I'll deal with corporate level uh, items. I'll deal, I I do have a board of directors. So I deal with preparation of board of directors. Uh, We've done some acquisitions. So I'll do some due diligence. I'll deal with some personnel issues more. Probably on the legal side, I'm not really, I don't do the hiring. I'm not doing the interviewing, but uh, from a legal standpoint, I can tell you the last six months, uh, since March uh, 11th or 12th, uh, I've been trying to figure out how to manage a, a safe workplace and still be able to provide service. And uh, luckily enough, our business is considered a uh, you know a necessary business, and it has been from the get-go. Mm-hmm. So our job at that point was to behave, operate in the safest environment, make sure that we did everything right at work and therefore it went home and our families were safe at home. Uh, but a lot of different compliance and adjustments on the fly. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to make some of the decisions and I put that pressure on myself to kind of force our team to make that decision. So you talk a little bit about working in the business versus working on the business and, and that dialogue um, from your day to day. Talk about, you know, you mentioned when you guys first started, you were the low cost provider and that was kind of the strategy to get in people's homes and start developing these relationships. As it looks now and as you continue to grow forward, what does the strategy look like for you guys? And how do you stay on top of the strategy when you're not necessarily in the field day to day? Do you check the pulse of the, the people on the team very often? Or The best answer to that, I've got a great team behind me. You know, as business progresses, I'd, I'd like to think that I'm no different than other business owners and principals in that capacity. Uh, the better you get, it's not the better I got. It's the better my group gets. So I've got a, a group of senior leadership of, you know, eight to 10 people that I work directly with from my marketing director to a vice president of operations to my CFO, to my human resources, to uh, information systems. 
And um, it's me keeping in touch with them. It's making sure they understand and we've got open communication so they understand my philosophies and where I feel the organization should be going. And it's me being open enough and, and being able to listen as a principal to their thoughts and ideas and encourage encourage that communication uh, because I don't have all the right answers. They don't have all the right answers. And even together, we don't have the right answers, but we're going to make progress. We're going to be moving forward. And our goal is just to be better today than we were tomorrow. And as long as I don't care what period of time you choose, if it's a day, if it's a month, if it's six months, you know, that that's, that's how it, I mean, that's how we progress. That's how, that's how I make things work there. It's, I don't make them work. Our team does. So you start as the vice president, you walk in. Was it an overwhelming role for you in the beginning or did you feel qualified and, and equipped to handle everything that came at you? I actually wanted to come in and sell. <laughs> I just knew that I had a unique background from a technical side and a professional side that I could go out and sell plumbing services to clients. I could con- convince, educate, and teach the decision makers, both on the commercial side of things, that this is what you need to do. This is why you need to do it. This is why it's the best thing to do. So, uh, But at the time, Mr. Havens needed someone to help organize, prepare for growth. I don't think it was overwhelming. It was probably different from a management of, of people type of things because I had to figure out how to put my team together too. I was 21 years ago, so I was still figuring out what to do and how to do it. And I had to make plenty of mistakes in the midst of that, uh, whether it was my drive and my ability to communicate, how I communicated, my temperament, you know, finding and identifying leaders. You know, I was dealt a hand of leaders, so I was working with those leaders, and I had held them accountable and helped guide them down the right path, put the right people in the right seats so they could succeed. But I'd, I probably spent more time, you know, I would go with a gentleman, ride, put a uniform on, and I'd be there helper or, you know, supervisor. I really didn't want the customer to realize that I, you know, I was a vice president or I was a president or supervisor. I just wanted to help the guy, teach the guy, help the guy roll on through the job. So um, it was interesting, but I had plenty to learn. Uh, I had plenty to learn from a financial aspect, from reading balance sheets and income statements and understanding the overall business model. I knew I could do the trade side, but now I needed needed to learn how to run a business. So something I'm curious about, you know, we talked a little bit about establishing safe business practices now and and during the pandemic and, um, but more people are home, which makes me think more people are using their HVAC, their plumbing, their things like that. Have you guys seen an uptick in business at all in like residential business? Yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, We have. So our our business historically has been about 50% like commercial. It could be multifamily. It could be restaurants. It could be institutional and 50% residential. So when the when the virus hit, when the fear hit in March, like any other business, I would like to think, as you start to put your proformers together, what do we think is going to happen? And we put together, you know, a one-month proforma, two-month proforma, six-month proforma, just to say where we're going to go, you know, what, what, what might happen here. And what happened was, is the, exactly as you, uh, as you mentioned, the utilization at home um, was more. Uh, people were using their facilities more, using their products more. I think uh, what happened for us, too, as I feel like uh, the consumers got into a deeper need of trust and ethics and value more than getting you know, my brother down the street here to come and fix my, you know, 
put that together for me and just make it work. I think uh, when things got a little funky there and and people were, uh, there was a big fear out there that uh, we had established uh, in the marketplace uh, a sense of trust and dependability and, and value out there. So I, I feel like people began to reach out even more to the waterworks uh, just because they knew it was a safe, absolutely a safe bet and they knew what they were going to get. So I feel like our team had done a great job of, of setting that up. But uh, we've been busy. I need people. Uh, so we have, uh, you know, we took a little little gap there uh, in March. I mean, I wanted to create security for our staff. And as soon as it hit, I told everybody, relax. Nobody's getting laid off. But we're here. The ownership's going to support it. Uh, your benefits are in place. You need to focus. Let's just let's just stay dialed together as a team and, and awesome. take, take care of one another. So it was a good good spot to be in, and that's just part of uh, who we are as an organization, what our board is, and uh, it was the best thing we could have done at the time for our for our staff and people. So we laid no one off. We have actually grown in staff, and I could I could hire more tradespeople today. That's awesome. That seems to be pretty rare if with what we've been dealing with. We're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Working from home is full of challenges. Online school from home can be even tougher. The internet's frozen again. I can't hear my teacher. Don't add to the frustrations with no hot water for showers or laundry or cooking. Clog drains in your kitchens or bathrooms. You have enough going on at home right now. You know who to call. Let the pros at the Waterworks handle all your plumbing and drain cleaning. Call 614-25-DRAIN today. Well, it might be a good time to pivot to that that broader conversation about trade school versus college, because, you know, we've got like, like everybody wants to go to college right now. Like that's the way America has kind of been led Do to, that? uh, <laughs> you know what, maybe less it's, we're starting to see a shift towards like mm-hmm. college is getting too expensive. Right. Yeah. And so, but not everybody's jumping towards trade school either. I don't right. Think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it's kind of like, we're, well, what else are you going to do? Right. Be well, a DJ. Trade school is an option, right? That I don't think people maybe don't consider. What was trade school like? Well, I mean, 45 years ago, trade school was you go hang out, you honestly, and I'm being truthful here. <laughs> you grabbed a quart of beer, you went and sat in, in, in some, uh, somebody's office and you had spent four hours of talking business and trade. I mean, and it was very educational time, but that was no different than what the trades were, Mm -hmm. what the business practices were. You know, they'd sit, I I loved what we had back, you know, 30 and 40 years ago after work, you'd sit around and talk with all your buddies and you'd tell your war stories and then you'd go home. Yeah, You'd have a couple of beers, somebody go get a 12. You don't do that today. You You just can't do that. But Trade schools, it was uh, no different. You had a guy that knew his business. He told us war stories. It was still your job to study your your code book, uh, to get a good understanding. And what you learned most was the people that you work with, your mm-hmm. OJT. And it really, I, I don't think the trade school aspect is a whole bunch different today, is you better be learning the trade under good people and the people need to learn how to teach, um, how, let you learn how to do the work mm-hmm. while you're on the job. Trade schools are not popular. You know, Josh, they answer what you said there. There are not people lining up to go to trade schools. I mean, the vocational schools are, you know, especially in and around our area, there's, there are a few of them out there, but they don't have all the vocations in there. And in mm-hmm. fact, they don't have our, my, our primary vocation in there. There's nobody in a town that's got plumbing in their vocational schools. So we decided what was best, uh, and this is back in 2013, was to create our own apprenticeship school or apprenticeship program. And to do that, you had to go through the Department of Labor, 
So we have our own on-site in Waterworks, state credited, actually uh, college, I'm going to say accredited, and I'm using the wrong word here, but we are aligned with Columbus State, and I'll tell you that too, for apprenticeship program. Historically, the trade schools, you're going to work and you're doing it on the side where maybe you're working, you know, in fast food or you're doing something else. And what we have done is we've decided to employ everybody in our program. So all the apprentices in our program work for the Waterworks or employees in today's world. But it's a, you know, it's a missed opportunity. Uh, you talk about debt, you talk about opportunity. I mean, I've got guys... Uh, you know, we've, we've had, we've got a retirement wall. We've got, you know, pictures of guys in, in the deep window frames that have retired, you know, been doing the work for 35 years and 40 years. I mean, they've made a great living. You can make $100,000 working, being a plumber, if, if you want to make $100,000 and you didn't have to go into $100,000 of debt to do so. So I do think there's a miss, but, but you've got to want to labor. And honestly, mm-hmm. I think that's a missing piece today. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think the stereotypical opinion anymore is that, you know, the old uh, butt crack plumber or, mm-hmm. you know, trades are for people that can't, that aren't smart. I, I do feel like that existed uh, 25 or 30 years ago, and that was even a misnomer then. Mm-hmm. But uh, we've got guys that have... Uh, gone from EMTs to phlebotomists to biology majors to uh, Marines and and a bachelor degree from Ohio State. Uh, we've got some excellent individuals who are just saying, you know what, I, I got to find something different that I can do that I feel better about and it'll last forever. And if anything else during this pandemic, uh, it's really proven fact is it is uh, we're very stable. I mean, you know, always need trace people. We're always going to need power. We're always going to need water. We're always going to need uh, waste disposal. So to me, it's probably the proudest thing that I've done with our organization. And we probably have, have at least at minimum, we've at least introduced the trade to, I'd say, at least 75 to 100 people since 2013. And it's helped us grow grow our own, too. So it's it's pretty exciting. But they're com- we're coming from all angles. I think there's a misunderstanding with that too. Like you said, if you go to trade school or you don't go to college that you're less than. And I, I went to a trade school, my senior year of high school, like I, would, I went to high school the first half or the second half of the day, but I started there because I liked cars. Right. And I got into a program, which was uh, learning how to paint cars. It's like fixed auto body, stuff like that. You know, watching Fast and Furious, I'm like into making cars go fast. Hmm. And now I'm fixing holes in doors. I'm like, I realized very quickly even though I enjoyed my teacher and he was making like a couple hundred grand a year painting cars back then because you work on flat rate, right? If you do your job well and fast, you can really make some money. But I realized very quickly, this is not what I wanted to do. So it wasn't a waste of time. I think it was, you know, rather than going into that or going to school for that, I realized over, you know, nine months of my senior year that I learned, I learned a lot, you know, it was fun, but it was like, I don't want to do that. And I think a lot of people go to college and realize they don't want to, you know, you're 18 years old. You don't know oh, this is what I want to do forever, you know? And it'd be a lot cheaper way to, to try something versus, you And know. we've taken people down that same path. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we've taken people in and mm-hmm. I mean, Just some, some of these guys have made the decision in three days and mm-hmm. we've tried <laughs> to tell them everything and say, hey, this is what it's like. This You've got to, you've got to be a cannibal. You've got to be at work at seven o'clock. You've got, mm-hmm. You know, you've got to be ready to hump it. You've got to think ahead. You've got to be, you can't just hang out, wait to be told to do something. Yeah. And so we, as much as we've in- introduced the trade, as I say, we've introduced the trade, 
I mean, it isn't for everybody. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. But then there are other people that discover it, and it's their passion because they can communicate with people and they get to talk to, you know, your mom or your grandmother or, or the governor or whatever. All of a sudden, they're dealing with all these different people every day. Right. And some people like that, and some people pick the trade to be a new construction, build what we've had here down, you know, in Grandview here, and they're they're just dealing with the trade. They're coming mm -hmm. out, they're working, they're doing it. You know, some of the same things every day. And uh, there's, there's a couple different aspects. There's new construction, there's service aspect. Our sponsor is Waveform Music Group. Andy and Carlin have been working with us to take the production of Conquering Columbus to the next level. And Josh and I cannot be happier with the results. Outside of podcast production, Andy and Carlin are experts in songwriting, music production, and sonic branding for companies of all sizes. And to learn more about them, head to their website, createwaveforms.com. That is createwaveforms.com and tell them Conquering Columbus sent you. We talked a little bit about this push from, and maybe it's like the rise of entrepreneurship being cool and this elimination of a stigma that if you don't have a college degree or a master's degree, that it like people would think that that would make you more worthy or something. I think people are coming back to the roots and realizing if you if you are skilled and you get the job done and you create something, that's what's really cool. Really cool is not being super accredited on paper and then mm -hmm. possibly achieving nothing else moving forward. So I'm curious to see if it makes more of a push to people to explore things they desire, like trade schools. Like Tim and I, our business or our, the company we work for is technology centered around welding. And like the gap for welders is is 11% Massive. over a year and year over year, year. And it's not going to stop anytime soon, they don't think. So, uh, you know, we're kind of looking at the same situation. Like these people start going to trade schools. We kind of we kind of hope that they just keep buying our stuff. But, <laughs> you know, if you don't, then <laughs> right. you're probably going to need some people. Uh, but you mentioned about the partner with partnership with Columbus State. And then when we, before we started the interview, you said, you know, how you're really proud of the partner network that you guys developed. Was that the Columbus State that you're referring to? Are there other partners in that network that you're that you were referring to? No, I think the, uh, the the people that we put through as far as the, the, the pride of the association is being, you know, one of the few companies in Ohio, uh, the few actual trade companies that have their own trade school to help promote that. I think that's, uh, I give ourselves a lot of credit. Our instructors, one of our instructors actually came from Columbus State. Uh, they're all adult learning certificates. Uh, they're supervisors. They're, you know, semi-retired guys, but they know the trade and they're able to teach it to the young guys. Uh, our association with Columbus State uh, started about three years ago, and basically, uh, if you complete our four-year program, and I'd like to tell you what that program is, if you complete the four-year program, complete the apprenticeship program, uh, you've got 30, um, 32 hours of uh, construction management credit at a Columbus State, you didn't pay a dime for it. That's awesome. So you talk about value, talk about advancement, talk about maybe going a different path. So I think it's a good, you know, Columbus State saw that mm -hmm. uh, in our in our program. Uh, we try to encourage it. I don't want guys to take that path. I want guys to stay in the plumbing trade. Uh, but, you know, th th that opportunity is there. The trade requirements are 8,000 hours, which is four years working, basically, uh, OJT and about 160 to 175 academic hours per per year. Now, like anything else, online is coming up. I'm not as excited about that. I'm sure it can get done, but I'm not a strong believer. I just don't think technology can take over take over the trades too much. There's great tools out there, mm -hmm. but I, I'm, I'm, I worry a little bit that technology, um, people think technology is going to be the answer and you're going to get some limited exposure on that side. So I still think the trades uh, need it. I don't care if it's welding, if it's body work. I mean, all those trades, there are some great opportunities. I know some guys are in the car business myself and um, 
they're dying from people. And then you've got people that are 55 and 60 years old are retiring, and you don't have replacements for them. Mm-hmm. So as, as much as there might be an opportunity, there's a fear factor out there. I read Sales Manager at uh, Car Supply. And yes. I, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, I, I thought you were like a, that was cars, like vehicles. Oh, Until vehicles. we were talking about it, I just realized that. No. So I was like, oh, it was the same. I was like, how do you go from selling cars for eight years to oh. that? <laughs> so maybe I should have spent a little more time in school. So Dave, I want to talk a little bit about, I mean, it seems like you're, you know, we talked earlier in your introduction to the show, you were involved with a couple of charities and local groups. It seems like giving back to the communities, uh, pretty important to you, but can you tell us a little more about, you know, Newsies and Team Focus and, and kind of what they do? Sure. First of all, I'll give you the foundation that my parents is still to this day and they're 80 years old and my, my father's in a wheelchair, but still give and search to give to figure out how, how to do it. So, Another one of those things that I give my parents all the credit in the world to give me that understanding of of responsibility and what it feels like to do that. So it was natural for me to want to find connections to be able to help and assist. And it's not always money; it's it's effort, it's time, it's it's awareness. But uh, you know, a, a couple of the organizations you mentioned, Charity Newsies AM and Team Focus, are, are right now both them tied to the youth. I got introduced to uh, Charity Newsies probably 15 or 20 years ago from a good friend of mine, David Durchy, who just said, hey, you got to check this out. You know, we're clothing 10,000 kids a year in central Ohio that, that are going to school that have a need. And you, you've just got to just see what this is about. And for years, uh, Charity News is over a hundred year old organization. It used to be the Newsboys. That's what it was, and actually started by selling papers. And you guys might see, and not it's not going to happen this year, but on first Saturday in December, guys are out there in their whites and they're peddling, you know, a feature for the dispatch and just collecting donations. But they still clothe fifteen thousand kids in Franklin County a year. Uh, they all go to school. You know, so it's it's trying to make them feel comfortable enough at school. They're, you're going to school and somebody's got, you know, a nice winter jacket and gloves and I don't have any. So uh, that organization, I thought that was a nice organization to be associated with. Uh, Team Focus is another organization that I got introduced to by um, Rocco uh, Piacentino and Rocky Old is the uh, local administrator of that. And that organization is, at, once again, about young people. And that one is focused on young men without a father figure in their home. And that includes a grandfather, an uncle, a stepfather, whatever. So it's trying to take kids from 8 to 18 years old and teach them how to just get them responsible, expose them, um, I guess a little bit like a big brother type of organization, Christian-based, you know, just habit-based. And they're, uh, they're, uh, I don't know how many their team-focused organizations are across the you know, across the country right now, but Central Ohio's got one right now, and there's one down in Lexington and Mobile, and usually they tie into uh, one of the celebrities in town to help be that person, and Urban has been been kind of our most current supporter of that. They have a big banquet every year, no banquet this year. Nick Saban's down in Alabama. They've got that down there. They so, But, you know, it, it's, it's kids. It's mm-hmm. where the need is, but you know, there are a lot of people who do a lot of things in this town that people don't even know about. Right. Uh, it's pretty cool. There's there's all kinds of opportunities. If there's one thing we've learned doing this podcast, it's that that is the truth. So what about goals for the future, whether it's personal or for the business? Is there anything that's that's really sticking out to you that you're looking forward to or that you're pushing towards? 
I'll start with business. I still think I can, and our organization can have a positive impact on companies outside the waterworks. So I do think there are opportunities for mergers and acquisitions. I think that, you know, I'm concerned. I would be just as concerned if my father was in business for himself still to this day and didn't have a a son or a family member that was interested in it, that all of a sudden you've got someone that's worked in the trade and worked in their business, given their heart and soul for 30 and 40 and 50 years, and there's nothing. They don't have anything. They've worked. They've put everything they've made into their business. Uh, There are a lot of businesses out like that out there. I think we can help people make those transitions. Uh, I think we can help grow the business. I think we can educate uh, and help add another level of professionalism. So from a professional standpoint, I look forward to growth, probably some geographical growth. We've got um, good systems in place and good people, and I think that's going to be fun uh, You know, as I go to my next step and pass pass my local responsibility on at some point to somebody else and, and try to impact some other organizations and other people Uh, the same way we've impacted uh, everybody here in Central Ohio. Personally, I've got two adult kids. They both live here in town. Uh, One's in commercial real estate, my son Tyler. He's uh, with a great group. He understands the business. And my daughter is a uh, a neonatal nurse at Children's. She was born to do that. And uh, so I'm going to be a grandfather here in January for the first time. So I have to tell you personally, I'm looking forward to those next steps and and son-in-laws and daughter-in-laws and uh, things of that type. So um, my wife and I, my wife Susan, uh, we've been married for 38 years. Uh, she's from Westerville. We're, we're pretty comfortable here. We like it. We're lucky that both of our kids are still around, and we're lucky they want to hang around every once in a while, too, with us. Family is probably where I'd like to kind of keep my personal goals. Sounds like a pretty good goal. Yeah, I would say congratulations. And any other additional advice that you might have, maybe and maybe you don't, but our, our listenership is between, you know, 24 to 36 years old, young professionals, aspiring entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and owners. You know, I know that you're, you're from what I want to understand about you, really strong in your faith. And anything that you would say, looking back on people who are going through those years and they're trying to climb the ranks, and they're seeking professional goals and personal goals that you uh, would like them to reflect on? Um, I think, and um, I was reading... You know, living uncomfortably, I think, is uh, one of your themes here. And I was trying to think about something that to tie that into a little bit. And I, I think the biggest thing that you can't be afraid of is you can't be afraid of mistakes. <laughs> and you can't be afraid to put your, put yourselves around people that know a heck of a lot more about everything else than you do. And I, I don't care if it's business. I don't care if it's the Bible. I don't care if it's uh, friendships, if it's, you know, wherever that might be. Uh, but I would encourage, I, I worry today, like everybody else does, uh, uh, it, with technology, if losing the interpersonal, and especially today, we're losing a lot of interpersonal. I mean, it's just another step backwards. And I think interpersonal communication is huge and is needed uh, for personal development, business development. You can't be afraid to go out there and, and step outside your, your comfort zone and talk to somebody that you don't think you have anything in common with and someone that might expose you to something you've never thought about. And as a business owner, as a, as a leader, as a supervisor, manager, the best way you're going to succeed is surround yourself with people who know a lot more about things than you do. And don't be, don't be bothered by it. Reward them by it. Make sure you encourage them and, and pat them on the back. And I think that's one of the hardest things you do. I think with, with the volume of things we have and as much as we're always connected, is I think sometimes we forget that uh, that pat on the back or that little that little card or jotting that little note down saying, man, you did a great job this week. And I personally need to work on that myself uh, more often, especially I think the, 
the larger you get it, the more detached I get from the next level down as uh, to continue that positive re-encouragement. Well, Dave, I got to say, first off, I appreciate you reading that outline. Not everybody does it, but he got it. And uh, <laughs> beat me to that last question to live uncomfortably. But um, Dave, appreciate your time so much on the show today. It's been great talking to you. Uh, and uh, any last words for the people of Columbus? Just uh, fight through it. Just have faith. You've got to be comfortable with yourselves. And I do think that uh, you, you talked about faith and, and faith helps you get through things like this. Uh, I, I don't know where I would be today mentally uh, at the business if I if I didn't have faith, if I didn't have trust in God and and uh, everything I did. And God didn't take uh, the fear away from me of what's happening next. Uh, you know, I, I know the, the past been painted and uh, I would just encourage others just to kind of keep that in mind. That'd be another thing I wouldn't be afraid to look at too. Be, don't be afraid to look at that Bible, no different than don't be afraid to go tap that guy on the shoulder that you've never talked to. Right on. Well, Dave, again, thanks so much for joining us. Everybody out there, if you guys enjoyed this episode, thanks for tuning in. If you want to hear more of this, hit that subscribe button. You'll hear more interviews with uh, guests like Dave every week. So appreciate all your support. We'll talk to you next week. Oh.